0: California lawmaker proposes 25% tax on real estate investors to level the playing field. Number two, where venture capital and tech jobs are growing, Bay Area home prices headed one way up. Bay Area rent approaches pre-COVID levels. All of this, and we're going to go over this, including the data as to what has been going on in the Bay Area real estate market, starting now. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of our weekly Friday market update. Every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific time, I go over live what is actually happening with the Bay Area real estate market. What are things that can impact you as a homeowner or as a potential buyer or seller? And this is a live show, so feel free to leave any questions or comments, and I will get to that as soon as possible. Let's take a look at the news of the week. Big news of the week. California lawmaker proposes 25% tax on real estate investors to level the playing field. This is more gears towards the California Housing Speculation Act would impose a 25% capital gains tax on a short-term investor's profits. So there's always uh, these lawmakers that feel like, hey, look, the reason why home prices are what they are is because we have a lot of speculators. We have people making bets that are hurting the people and not able to get people out of the market itself. Um, from myself i have many clients that are investors i have personally uh did a few house flips myself in the very beginning of my career as a realtor and so i know the business extremely well and i totally understand the sentiment of uh, lawmakers and a lot of people being upset of why homes are what they are going for however it is also very important just to understand that they're very different pillars as to how those individuals would have put their home on the market anyways. I can argue several things. And I can also argue what is going to be what's going to what would have been a better use of time and energy than this uh, proposal that is being enacted. So if you're a house flipper, generally you need to make a margin and you need to make a you really need to make a margin for you to have gone into that investment. Think about if you're a flipper or you're an investor, most of these short-term flippers are using other people's money, which is called hard money. Hard money is the aspect of a traditional bank is not going to be able to loan them because, quite frankly, they may not be able to get a loan themselves. Now, the difference, though, is they have many options. They can either buy homes on the market or buy homes off market. And how do they buy homes off market? They may actually have done direct messaging to people that have you know, really old or dilapidated homes. Or people that weren't planning to sell or able to sell, anyways. Most flippers are not buying those homes that are on the market, even if they require a lot of work, because the margins aren't there, anyways. So it actually does not impact most people. Majority of people are not buying these speculation homes. They're actually buying those people that are that are winning those homes are just regular buyers. They're not investors. There's very few investors winning a home that's going to have multiple offers and bids. Now, on the other hand, how did these people get properties anyways, like to do these opportunities, to do these arbitrages? Most people get them from maybe it's an agent that has a direct relationship with them. They don't want to sell it for various reasons. Uh, Number one. Number two, they may do direct marketing. They may be calling and spending mailers. I know many house flippers in the Bay Area, they may spend tens of thousands of dollars a month in mailers to a mass market of dilapidated homes to try to get them the opportunity to buy off market, you know, to buy off market. Make no mistake. That home was never going to go on the market on its own. Anyways, if it wasn't for these efforts of them spending their tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on mailing that home may have never, it would have never came up. So quite frankly, these developers and flippers have actually created inventory, which otherwise it would not have even come up. So, in my opinion, this is a ridiculous thing. Um, I understand the frustration, the settlements, but rather than waste your time on creating these taxes, why don't you just create more incentives for developers to build more homes? Why don't you work with the cities more? Why don't you encourage them? Why don't you force cities to have a density requirement as a minimum, right? Those are the real ways to add value of this housing shortage. Make it easier for builders, make it easier for rezoning space. I mean, think about all the industrial old warehouse space where we had, and they're all in pretty decent locations, right? They're fairly close to uh, highways. Imagine if you just simply worked with those individuals and you rezoned those from a commercial space into a residential space. Like, take point, look at like Newark, a lot of places in Newark that are the new construction by like Lenar and by, um, the other one nearby but but that west parts of newark that all used to be either nothing there or used to be old warehouse space and look what they have done they built they built probably thousands of homes out there even single family homes so rather than these lawmakers wasting their time and doing these kind of projects they should really be focused on how do we work with investors instead of trying to punish them because this is not going to do that in them any good this may actually shrink them out of potential homes that come on the market because if the investor is flipping a home, they're doing it to try to get, they need to get out of it, but they also just created at least some level of inventory. That home was not going to sell on its own anyways, if it wasn't for somebody willing to make the bet to do it. Now, it'll be different if they're just buying homes straight up on the market and they're out out—they're outbidding people for that, but there is not what's happening at all. Especially the Bay Area. That's not how the game works here. People are not doing that. They are only doing it if they can see that there's going to be a positive return on the amount of capital and time that they will put. Keep in mind, hard money lending for these players are not cheap. They're about 10% a year, right? They can do it because it's a short term project and the profit margins are at least 10% plus if they're going to try to do these projects. But make no mistake, this is not a very cheap game of these investors. And quite frankly, They also bear the brunt of it, right? If the market just stays flat or they goes down, they could lose a lot of money. So would this Speculation Act give them a 25% reverse gains if they lose a lot of money? That's that's not going to be fair, you know, really either. So those are my thoughts about this new proposal. I don't think it's a good idea. I think at the end of the day, though, they should create more incentives and more programs to be able to create more housing. And that will certainly help. At the end of the day, supply and demand. Right. If you're able to build a lot of supply, that will push prices down because people then have more options. They can choose for new construction, things like that. But if it is uh, if they're not able to find any new housing and you see new new construction is extremely limited, that's why you see what you see. Next, let's talk about uh, the money, the post pandemic geography, the U.S. tech economy. Everybody has always said, oh, people are going all over the place. People have flexibility, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the day, follow the money. Where is all the most of the venture capital money at? And where is it, you know, is it going to be in these core hubs? The reality is most of these VCs continue to stay at the core hubs. Think about this. Miami got tons of noise over the year about uh, all this tech money going out there, expanding like crazy. The reality is this. There are probably growth opportunities there. So it's always good for other areas to get some of the pie of the venture capital world. But just take a look at this, San Francisco and San Jose, which are really just 45 minutes from another, add up to be a total of a hundred and what is a hundred and twenty million or hundred and twenty billion dollars. That's equivalent of 36 percent. Look at New York, 53 percent, but that is dwarfed. So San Francisco is about two and a half times larger than New York. And you have Boston, and you have these other areas, never mind places like Austin right? 5 billion of venture capital. So the Bay Area is 20X in terms of money there. Miami is also 20X. All these other areas that have a lot more excitement and noise, maybe Raleigh. I mean, never mind. there, 100X from Raleigh in North Carolina. And so the reality is just following this, follow the money, follow the opportunity. Like these people are continuing to make their big best. Now That doesn't mean that their employee workforce needs only needs to be in the Bay Area, but a lot of the main execs, and a lot of the high profile investments are coming still in these core areas and this is all as recent as it was last year something to be very mindful to be aware of why are things what they are there is so much investment so much opportunity so much growth opportunity so much exit opportunity here in the bay area and that's why it continues to be one of the top players and top locations all across but I'm sure we'll see other places continue to expand, but it's also mindful to see for yourself the magnitude's different between some areas versus others. Look at this. Even like Philadelphia is higher than in Miami and Austin. Like that, that shows like a lot. Like, is it overhyped? Is some areas overhyped? Is it just an expansion opportunity? You, time will tell, but this shows some data and some numbers there. Next, Silicon Valley Bay Area home prices headed one way up, one way straight up. Um, it's not happening it's not changing anytime soon there are a lot of mo- a lot of reasons for this occurring um, it is a very difficult time for buyers however at the same time as long as you understand like every area doesn't things don't just go up 100% but things will go up 10 20% very routinely and so it's important to have the mindfulness of your budget is x look at where it has sold provide a little bit of buffer that's where you should be focusing on don't focus on on these arbitrary fake list priced uh, homes because they mean absolutely nothing. However, you will know where you should be looking at based off of what other homes have sold for in that area. We're gonna take a look at the data at the end of this call or at the end of this show, so you can see for yourself where are things going, where are they likely to go. Very doable. Fortunately, this year I've already helped twenty clients buy a home in the Bay Area. Extremely doable, but uh, it's also just important you need to work with the real your realtor work and understand the data, where you should be focusing on, and then you're, you will be very successful. It's not that difficult as long as you understand where home prices are actually selling for and not what they're listed at. Uh, next, Bay Area rents are approaching pre-COVID levels. These are the cities where prices are rising fastest. It's happening across the border. Like how many of you guys that may be renting or have friends renting and they had their rent prices jacked up? That is going to be happening across. I mean, take a look at these numbers. From one year year over year, San Mateo, seventeen percent increase. San Francisco, sixteen percent. Union City, fifteen percent. Um, most places double digit increases. This is faster and higher than inflation. Typically, there is a, a sense of rent control for not apartments like these, but more for like individual landlords. There are California rent restrictions. I don't. Th- I think apartments could, are able to get by away from this, but for individuals. I believe it's inflation plus uh, 5%, but given inflation has been so high, then that can be double-digit inflation, that double-digit run increases. Uh, And this is just happening, right? I mean, February 2022, what did you see on my last market update? If you haven't, take a look at the show that I had last week. Most Bay Area tech companies, especially the big ones, are mandating people to come back to the office effective in April. And so if you think it's bad from February 21 to 2022, You're going to, it's going to be even higher as the month goes on because you're going to have a whole lot more people that'll be back and no choice. And they'll either rent or they'll be buying. So that'll take some time to do, but don't, do not be surprised with those figures uh, as people continue to flock back into the Bay Area. What you also notice is that traffic will get worse and it has already gotten worse. Uh, And that's just getting started. People are not mandated to be back just yet, but it will be. Quite bad out there. Next, homeowners gained 8.2 trillion dollars in housing wealth over 10 years. Nearly, almost 1 million middle-income household households became homeowners from 2010 to 2020. That is a great number. It shows that end of the day, the investments for most people that have done very well will continue to be mainly in households. Household is generally the the brunt of uh, the funds, especially for middle-income individuals. And then, of course, uh, stocks uh, are the second aspects of most people's retirement, uh, most people's gains. But quite frankly, fortunately, the benefit of a lot of people that have owned homes is that it's also a way to force saving of money. right? Imagine this. How many of you guys know people, especially those that are retiring, have a lot of money in their home, but not a lot of money into like, other investments? Because at least with homes, you're forced to pay your monthly amount and you're forced to really keep saving that money. But if you have that money laying around, a lot of people, unfortunately, are not doing it correctly. They're not actually investing in other assets. And so um, if it wasn't for that home that they kept putting money into along with appreciation, a lot of people wouldn't have a retirement fund. It's, it's kind of sad to see. However, fortunately, they at least did that. Imagine if you're in the worst situation, if you are paying rent and you see rent continue to increase over time and it just keeps eating away more and more of your money. And they didn't have the mindset to use that money for other investments, like the S&P and things like that, they would have done f- far worse. And so that's the reality of the of homeownership, right? On one end, uh, homes are what they are, but at least it does force you to save money and forces you to reinvest in your own property, which uh, for a majority of people have done tremendously well. And that has been the trend, not just of the last ten years, of the last four decades. So something just to be mindful of and um, Congratulations quite frankly for anyone that has owned a home and it doesn't even have to be the last 10 years just look at the numbers even if you bought last year which everybody said was very difficult and very competitive even those people have already had tremendous equity already in their home as of right now so there is no kind of late to the bandwagon late to the late to the um, to the train to the ride uh, at the end of the day over a long period this will continue to happen uh, given There's only so many homes in the area, and people all have to live somewhere. So that's what it is. Overbidding. So I love these kind of uh, clickbait articles, but I always want to address it. Overbidding on SF Homes searches to four-year high. Homes sold for 122% of asking price in February. Now, why is that? Number one, it's not because homes are actually increasing like 20% uh, every month. That's not how things work. A lot of things are about this clickbait article that always needs to be addressed. Number one, overbidding and SF of surges to four-year high. So four-year high, I mean, think about San Francisco. Why wasn't this overbidding surges to a decade high? Because does that mean, actually, there are many other times in San Francisco that it was actually hotter than it is than right now. Number two, 122% of asking price. Remember this, everybody we do not control the listing price the listing price is controlled by the listing agent and that goes by standards for homes all over the bay area there's different there's different um strategies that most areas have san francisco and east bay are notorious to buy, to put homes substantially below where it should go for right you can see this many times i mean look at the sold prices sometimes some people are selling their homes within two three years you can see many, of they list a price, especially in the East Bay, at the same price that it was sold for many years ago. And we all know, and you and you should know, that home prices are a lot higher than that. So don't get duped or fooled by that. Understand, okay, there's homes that are similar to this area, selling, selling for X. Uh, there are there are plenty of options there to understand what this will ultimately end up at. And that's the key barometer. If you look at that, then you will see, yes, home prices have increased, but not 22% in this short amount of time. Um, so something to be mindful of. There's a lot of misnomers here that do need to be corrected. Kitty cake, 3,700 bay is hard for a single first time buyer. Uh, sad, angry emoji face. Uh, you have the credit and down payment, but use nothing to choose from. Thank you so much for tuning in and, and certainly appreciate the, um, the acknowledgement of that it's really important, Kitty, in this time, we should certainly connect, but at the end of the day, it's important to understand what are the stepping stones. It's difficult on one end, but at the same time, not really, to be very fair. Most people can afford up to five to six times their combined income. People can buy with as little as 5% down. You can go 3% with an FHA loan. Do that quick math. A starter condo in most places, including even in San Jose, is about 500000 as a random number that I'll just give up. And there's many options for there. That's equivalent of saving $15,000. $15,000 saved up in the Bay Area, to be fair, is not a whole lot. So it's, But it tells you you can easily get there pretty quickly. Imagine what your rent payment is. Your rent payment of let's say, $2,000 a month, which is a very low rent, that's already equivalent to $24,000 a year. So if you can see, if you can just save some money, which you can easily do by renting out a room of a of a house instead of your own studio, you could already save enough for that down payment within one year, right? This is very basic math. The question is, are people willing to do that trade-off to become a homeowner instead? And then once you become a homeowner, why don't you become that landlord that rents out the other room for the next person? That's the game, right? The game isn't isn't complaining, oh, I can't afford it. The reality is a majority of people can afford it. They just don't have the mindset or the willingness to do it. And at the same time, it's all about starting somewhere, right? You don't need to start off with a brand new single family home that's $1.5 million. How do you think most people got to that level anyways? They got into something they can afford and they can manage, which most places would be like a condo. Those have lower maintenance. Because you don't have a yard or anything to take care of. It's all already baked in. So it helps with your saving side of things. And so people could start off with condos. And then as they eventually save more money, they may have a partner or life changes. They can sell the proceeds of that condo to then buy the next home. Right? That's how people get started. They don't just keep trying to save money indefinitely and trying to buy this home that was a pipe dream. They get into what they can now. And then they go ride with the market. And then when they save more money and have a better opportunity... Then you can keep growing and expanding that way. That's my tip. It is very doable, right? I helped a client recently, you know. He uh we we sold their condo for a record amount, but he started with a condo. It was a it was a two-bedroom condo, it was a great starter home. And then eventually they had kids, they had made more money, they saved more money, their life changed. Sell that condo, buy the next home. But that's how they're able to get it. They now have the proceeds of that. So that's something to be mindful. There's many strategies. It is a mindset that is very doable. There's plenty of people that are literally right out of college that can already buy a home without their parents' assistance. They know the game. They know how it works. They know that it's not even far off of what they may think of buying and affording. So hopefully that helps a lot of people because it's a great point. It's a complete misnomer of not being able to do it. And And I appreciate your insights. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means a lot. And let's continue on with the show. Next, Boston life science developer to expand to West Coast amid regions lab boom. This continues to happen. Firm to search for SF office as an opportunities in top U.S. life science markets. Some of the best areas in the West Coast continue to be, as you can see, the Bay Area, San Diego, and Seattle. Now, San Diego has always had a big um, life science hub. So I don't know if it was the biggest. It's always the top three, though. You have the Bay Area, you have San Diego, you have Boston. Those are typically the biggest hubs when it comes to life sciences. Uh, Seattle actually doesn't have too many, so uh, but they have a lot of great talent out in Seattle, mainly because of engineering. And this world is colliding: life sciences, along with technology, so including uh, uh, life science, and, yeah, life science and uh, life sciences and technology are surely merging together. So you're going to see a lot of these professions, whether it's biotechnology, bioinformatics, computer engineering in these fields. And so wherever there's all big density of engineering talent, you will likely see more and more um, of these offices expanding there. And that's what's been going on with the Bay Area. right? Take a look. Why is South San Francisco exploded? Look at Oyster Point. Crazy out there. It's all um, it's all. Uh, Commercial space. There is no residential out there, but you can see there's so much construction, so much being built out there. So something just to be mindful of in that expansion. Um, Not there's not all good news, and this is something to be mindful of, especially with who you are uh, working with, especially on the lending side. Layoffs again. Better.com to axe three thousand employees. Right? Why is this happening? You know, the real estate market is hot. Why is everybody like? Why are these companies struggling? There's actually many reasons, and you want to just be mindful of this. Number one, they probably they certainly grew way too fast um, relative to the what they were doing because it was a at that time it was a younger company. They are now trying to make profit. I think Better.com is a public company now, so they're trying to uh, really make earn more money. Number one, number two, mortgage rates went up. A lot of better.com's business is was on the refinance side, right? And so, if you need to refinance, you need a lot of people to keep actively working, and uh, you need you have you need to keep actively working. So, those are the things that are uh, applicable, right? When it comes to just why you're going to see more and more layoffs happening in the mortgage industry because there's going to be a lot less refinance business. The purchase side, as you can see, is still fine. But for those that have built their business around refinances, they're going to be in a world of hurts. I have many mortgage lenders that I have today, like they they made so much money on the refinance boom. And it was maybe the right thing for them. However, because they were not diversified of their client base, now that it's all dried up. Right? There are so little refinances going on. So if that's the case, now the game is to try to win purchases. But if they haven't been spending that time on helping those realtors, helping those clients on purchases, they were not very, they don't have the now the, the base, the database to be able to serve that. And now they're gonna their income has dropped tremendously. We're talking about magnitudes, like numbers that you can't even imagine, like 10x difference of income because of how how the business, how the different models are different, right? I mean, if you're refinancing, it was just a matter of time. If you're working with a realtor and you're trying to close deals, that's not easy, right? <laughs> um, as we all know, you're, you're not—it's not a sure bet that it's going to get done. And never mind—they may shop for rates. There's so many other things, and so do not be surprised. You will see more and more layoffs in the mortgage industry because they're going to start showing—you know—cutting a lot of people off because the, the times of like you know three percent rates are gone, which means a lot of the refinance opportunities that there were uh, will be. Much, much less. So that's very important because also very important about your own mortgage. Do you use a, a company like Better.com? Right? They claim all this tech <laughs> tech stuff. I was about to say some words, but some, some tech innovations. And the reality is they did it because they were um, trying to gain market share. And now it's going to be very different. So a lot of things will change from these online players. It's very different when you don't really care about profits. And it's very different now when you actually have to worry about your books a little bit more, and hence why they, they're about to slash. They slash another three thousand employees. That is uh, pretty wild and difficult. So, Kitty, thank you so much for tuning in. 40,000 down payment, still saving. I don't want to call on any single family in an area I want to live. See, this is the thing, right? And I'm going to put you on the spot here. This is it's important to be realistic. What is your alternative? It's not about working with a realtor that we can do it. You have a couple of options. Number one, you got to move further out. Right. If you want, if this is what you want to do, you have $40,000 down payment. You're going to move further out. Go to Contra Costa County, as an example, if you're in the Bay Area. Be realistic. What is your alternative? If you're, if you want a good area, there's a reason why prices are what they are. Buy a condo instead if the location is that important to you. Otherwise, move further out. Right. I mean, that's just what it is. It's the truth. But the faster you understand and bear the truth, the faster you can stop renting. So, and stop paying rent. You're paying a landlord. My guess you're probably paying two grand a month plus, right? So this is a very real case, and this is for everybody as well. Understand realistic options. Don't be like you have this stigma in your head. I don't want to live in an HOA. What's your alternative? Paying rent? You don't want to pay three fifty to five hundred dollars HOA that goes towards your reserves and goes to utilities anyways, but you would rather pay two three thousand dollars a month in rent, right? It's very important. I'm picking you on specifically, but this is a story I get all the time like where is that mentality at right that makes no sense like you yes it'll be more ideal but you also have to understand what are your real options and figure out a way to make it work at least for a couple of years and like i said use those savings save more money use those gains buy the next house afterwards okay let's wrap up with the data of the week san mateo county 192 new listings this week 170 contingent pending if you take a look at the day in march numbers Wow. We, this is what I had predicted the entire time. We're going to consider to see record growth, smashing records. I mean, look at this. Holy moly. We're, we're what? 10 days into March. Look at these numbers, all time records. We will see records continue to get smashed in these areas. It is what it is. We'll talk about what I would do differently or what I would do for my clients. You can see the medium single family prices now in San Mateo County are at roughly about $2.15 million. Condos and townhomes, great opportunity right now. Prices have increased, but not that much. It's been relatively flat. What does this mean? Good opportunity right now. Very good opportunity. This will rise as people start to give up on these types of homes. And as traffic continues to pick up, I think this is one of the best opportunities that we have right now, which are these smaller units in San Mateo County. That's my prediction at the end of this year. This number will be very different. Santa Clara County, 516 new listings, 427 contingent pending this last week. Look at these numbers. March, all-time records smashed. Absolutely smashed. I've been saying this every single week, and now it becomes it will become more and more public. Because think about this. The March figures are, remember, these are what has sold in the beginning of February. These are not any of the ones that are pending in mid-February or until now. This number will be higher. Do not be surprised because those pending numbers are higher than what these are now. At the same time, though, the benefit is if you understand the pending figures, you will realize that the numbers are a little bit less than it was before. So, those are showing good news. Condos and townhomes have also increased. Santa Clara County has done very well. Last but not least, let's wrap up with Alameda County, also continues to smash records, continues to increase. This is a little different than what I have thought because I would have thought if people were moving out that they would, or if people had to go back to the office, they would have stopped or slowed down the search, but that is not what's happening. The reality is the entire market is expanding because at the end of the day, people have flexibility and it shows that the general population growth continues to expand, hence why you're seeing what you're seeing. And so the reality is this, I initially thought that my thesis was people would just be flocking back to specific areas. Granted, Santa Clara County has done even stronger than Alameda County. That being said, those other markets will continue to also do well as people give up on these areas and they look in places a little bit further out. Well, I hope this was helpful. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of our weekly Friday market update. Um, If there's any questions or anything that I can help you with, send me a call or text 408-547-4590. We can go over a strategy call, go go over options. I can be reached at any time. And feel free to leave it in the comments below with any questions or any thoughts that you like you that you may have. And if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit that like button. Help me with the algorithm. We'll see you in the next one. Bye now.